I'm so glad that you've chosen to come and worship the Lord our God today. I want to remind you of a special emphasis that we're in. On November the 19th, we will celebrate this church's 150th anniversary. We have several things planned leading up to that special day. And one of those is that we want to see God send revival to this church. Revival to our lives personally and revival to the church corporately. That's why we're going to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting for 40 days. And we're going to kick that off next Sunday night. Not this Sunday night, but next Sunday night at 6 o'clock in the fellowship hall with a, a prayer service strictly devoted to praying for revival and spiritual awakening. I'm preaching a series of sermons <clears throat> focused on revival leading up to this special moment. Last week, I preached a message entitled, A Call to Pray. Today, I'm preaching a message entitled, This Book. Today, I'm preaching this because you can't have revival without prayer and the Word of God. You've got to have prayer and the Word of God. So I want you to grab your Bible and turn to Psalm 119. 119. I hope you brought a lunch today. There are 176 verses in this chapter. Now, rest at ease. I'm not going to preach all 176 verses from verse 1 to verse 176. I'm going to preach selected verses around specific themes, all focused on the Word of God. Now, this chapter is arranged in 22 stanzas with eight chapters in each stanza. Each verse of the, the, the first verse of each stanza begins with one of the Hebrew alphabets. Now you say, why in the world would the psalmist begin each verse of a stanza with a part of the Hebrew alphabet? Well, I'll tell you what he was trying to do. Two things. Number one, he was trying to help the Jewish people to have a way, an easy way to memorize Psalm 119. And secondly, he was trying to give the people of God a love for the Word of God. Scripture is mentioned in 171 of the 176 verses in this chapter. The psalmist used a variety of terms to refer to Scripture to keep from being um, uh, saying the same thing over and over again. He, he used words like these, law, testimonies, precepts, statutes, commandments, ordinances, judgments, decree, and word. This psalm begins with an emphasis on blessing that accrues to the person who devotes himself or herself to reading and studying the Bible. In Psalm 119, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist wrote, How blessed are those whose way is blameless, 
who walk in the law of the Lord. You see that law of the Lord? That's a, a reference to the Bible. How blessed are those who observe his testimonies. Another reference to the Bible. Who seek him with all their heart. Reading and studying the Bible results in God blessing your life. How many of you would love for the God of heaven to bless you? Some of you not raising your hands. I guess you don't need God's blessing. I'm going to raise both hands. I need double blessing, right? Double blessing. Well, the Bible says that we're blessed if we read and study the Bible and observe the Word of God. I want you to see some pertinent realities today, but before we do, I want to begin with prayer, and I want you to look at verse 18 of this great chapter. It's going to sort of guide our prayer time today. The psalmist wrote, Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things from your law or the Word. And that's my prayer for us today, is that the Holy Spirit would open our spiritual eyes that we may see wonderful things in the Word of God today. Let's bow our heads and pray. Our Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning, and we thank you that all Scripture is inspired by you. We thank you, Lord, that when the psalmist wrote these 176 verses, he didn't just make it up. The Spirit of the living God gave him every word that, that he wanted included in this great chapter. And Lord, we come to you today and we recognize, Lord, that without your help, without the help of the Holy Spirit, we'll never understand what you want us to understand. We'll ne never apply what you want us to apply. We pray, Heavenly Father, verse 18 over this service, that you would open our eyes that we may behold wonderful things from your law or your word today. Lord, I pray that the Spirit of God would move with great power and authority and that you would do some amazing things, not only open our eyes, but open our hearts that we may receive what you have for us today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. So I want to begin today by making some pertinent uh, points about the Bible, this book. Number one, I want you to see the Bible is reliable. You might want to write that down somewhere. There's a lot of people in the world today who say the Bible is not reliable. I want to stand in this pulpit today at Carville First Baptist Church. And I want to tell you that this pulpit has been founded for 150 years on the fact that the Bible is reliable. The Bible is the Word of God. It's not the Word of man. Now, what can we know about, for sure about the Bible? Well, we know this book is true. It's true. God never misleads or deceives anyone. Now, Satan will do that. Satan has been a liar from the beginning, Jesus said. 
Well, I can tell you this, if you're here today and you're looking for a direction for your life, you're looking for truth in a world filled with error, I promise you, my friend, look at the word of God. This book is true. It's true. In Psalm 119, verse 86, the psalmist wrote, all your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. Psalm 119, verse 160, the sum of your word is truth, and every one of your righteous ordinances is everlasting. Psalm 119, verse 140, your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. This book is true. Now, flip over to the New Testament. John chapter 17, Jesus' high priestly prayer. And I want to show you what Jesus said to the Father in this prayer. John 17, I want you to look at verse 17. Now, Jesus is praying this prayer just before he's going to be crucified. I'm telling you, the pressure of that moment is weighing heavily on his mind and his heart. He's He's working with his disciples, transitioning them to a spiritual relationship with him and not a face-to-face relationship like they had enjoyed for three years. And Jesus said this in the prayer. He said, sanctify or set them apart in the truth. Look at this. Here's what Jesus said. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. Listen, I, I want to say this to you, friend. I hope and pray that you settle that issue in your life. I settled that issue a long, long, long time ago. And I'll tell you, I've never wavered in my belief that the Bible is truth without mixture of error. I believe that from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. So this book is true. This book is eternal. It's eternal. In Psalm 119, verse 89, the Bible says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Look at that first word, forever. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. Look at Psalm 119, verse 152. Of old I have known from your testimonies that you have founded them, here's that word again, forever, forever. This marvelous book, the Bible, is forever settled in heaven. It never needs to be updated by anyone or anything. Now, there's a movement afoot in the world today that AI, artificial intelligence, is going to write the Bible. Let me tell you, I'll go with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'll go with Moses. I'll go with Isaiah and Jeremiah. I'll go with the authors of the Bible. I don't need artificial intelligence to rewrite the Bible and update the Bible for me. Did you hear what happened recently? Artificial intelligence rewrote the Bible, and in one particular verse, it said that Jesus affirms the transsexual movement. Let, let me tell you, friend, 
We don't need liberal theologians and we don't need artificial intelligence to update the Bible. It is forever settled in heaven. It is truth without mixture of error. And I praise God, I praise God that we don't have to come in here week after week and give you the latest update to the Bible. It's truth without mixture. It is reliable. And that's the first lesson we've got to learn today. The Bible is reliable. Second lesson, the Bible is relevant. Now, we're told today that the Bible is an outdated, dusty old book, that the Bible is not relevant to how people are living today and what the world is facing today. I beg to differ. Let me tell you, God knows everything. He knows everything. Let me tell you, before the foundation of the world, God knew the shape the world would be in today. He knew the foolishness that people would heap upon the Word of God before He ever created the world. Nothing catches God by surprise. In Psalm 119, verse 81 to 88, if you'll flip over there if you have your Bible, 81 to 88, the psalmist who wrote this, and we're not sure exactly who wrote it. Some say it was Ezra in, after the exile. Some say it was David. Nobody really knows for sure who wrote it, but I, I know who wrote it. I know the author. It's God. The Spirit of the living God inspired this entire 176 verses. But look, the psalmist was going through a difficult time. You say, well, pastor, the psalmist had a spiritual silver spoon in his mouth. Everything was going great for him when he wrote this. No, it wasn't. He was in a horrible situation. And the Bible says in Psalm 119, verses 81 to 88, listen to the psalmist. My soul languishes for your salvation. I wait for your word. My eyes fail with longing for your word while I say, when will you comfort me? Though I become like a wineskin in the smoke, I do not forget your statutes. How many are the days of your servant? When will you execute judgment on those who persecute me? The arrogant have dug pits for me. Men who are not in accord with your law. All your commandments are faithful. They have persecuted me with a lie. Help me. They almost destroyed me on earth. But as for me, I did not forsake your precepts. Revive me according to your loving kindness so that I may keep the testimony of your mouth. I, I tell you, the psalmist said, this book is relevant in the good times. This book is relevant in the bad times. This book is relevant all the time. All the time, this book is relevant. Now, I want to share with you four ways that the Bible is relevant. First, this book leads to worship. I tell you, you read this book, and you read it, and you really want to learn from it, and you really want to put yourself under the feet of the Holy Spirit's ministry through the Word, I tell you, it will lead to worship. In Psalm 119, verse 161 to 164, 
The Bible says princes persecuted me without cause. Look at this. But my heart stands in awe of your words. I rejoice at your word. As one who finds great spoil, I hate and despise falsehood, but I love your law. Seven times a day, I praise you because of your righteous ordinances or the word of God. I'll tell you, have you ever been reading the word of God and you come across a passage and it's like the Holy Spirit just opens the windows of heaven and pours out rich blessings upon you and you're left with tears in your eyes and you want to fall on your knees before God and raise your hands in awe before God at what he's revealing to you at that moment. I tell you, that is a glorious thing. This book leads to worship. This book leads to purity. In Psalm 119, 10 through 11, the psalmist wrote, with all my heart, I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. And you've heard this all your life. You preached it to your kids and your grandkids, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, verses 101, I have restrained my feet from every evil way that I may keep your word. I'll tell you, friend, when you study the word of God, when you read the word of God, it shows you how to live. It shows you what you should say and what you shouldn't say. It shows you what you should do and what you shouldn't do. It, it reveals God's will for your life, and it helps you to stay pure before God. I can tell you this. No believer will stay pure before God if they do not regularly study and read the Bible. It won't happen. This book leads to worship. This book leads to purity. This book leads to stability. I love Psalm 119, 165. I discovered this verse this week as I've been studying. Those who love your law have great peace. Man, if you love the Word of God, if you read the Word of God, if you study the Word of God, if you put yourself under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God, the Bible says you will have great peace. Peace. Shalom. Peace. That passes all understanding. Jesus said in John 14 that he'll give you peace that the world cannot provide. I can tell you, friend, this world cannot provide you the peace you're looking for. But I tell you, our Lord in heaven can provide you peace that passes all understanding. And it comes through his word. Those who love your law have great peace. Verse 165, and look at this, and nothing causes them to stumble. Now, when I read that, I mentally circled the word nothing. Nothing causes them to stumble. Nothing. So, listen, hypocrites do not cause a believer who's in the Word of God to stumble. Scoffers 
do not cause a believer who's in the word of God to stumble. Nothing or nobody can cause a believer who's rooted in the word of God to stumble. Our God is our rock and refuge, a very present help in our time of trouble. And then this book leads you to worship. This book leads you to purity. This book leads you to stability. By by the way, here here are four reasons that every person who's a born-again believer should read the Bible. Because it is relevant. It leads to worship. It leads to purity. It leads to stability. And it leads to revival. A fresh movement of God in your life as a believer. Let me ask you a question. As a born-again believer, have you become stale in your Christian walk? Have you? Are you growing spiritually? Do you love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength? Do you? Is there a freshness, a spiritual freshness about your life? When you walk into a room, do you leave the fragrance of Christ when you leave that room? I'll tell you, it's God's will that every believer live in a spirit of revival. In Psalm 119, verse 25, the psalmist wrote, my my soul cleaves to the dust. Notice what he said. He's crying out to God, revive me according to what? According to your word. Revive me according to your word. Now that tells us something. Hey, we can do a lot of things as believers. We can get distracted by a lot of good things. But I can tell you, if we really want a freshness in our walk with the Lord, if we want a, a spring in our spiritual steps, We've got to be revived according to the word of the living God. That's what the psalmist wrote. Psalm 119, verse 93, I will never forget your precepts, for by them you have revived me. By the word of God, you have revived me. Wouldn't you like to live in a steady stream of revival? Wouldn't you? I tell you, it's not rocket science. If we seek God with all of our heart, if we read the Word of God on a consistent basis and we pray and we humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt us at the proper time, I'll tell you, my friend, we can live with a steady stream of revival. Here are four solid reasons to devote yourself to reading and studying the Bible. Hey, I heard about a a shut-in, and the pastor went to see the shut-in. And he walked in, and she said, Pastor, would you read the Bible to me? And would you read my Bible? And, And so the pastor went over to to the end table and picked up her Bible. And as he began to thumb through the Bible, and as he began to read passages in the Bible, he noticed that there were initials by all through the Bible. 
TP and TP, TP. And he said, man, what are these initials? What do they mean? She said, Pastor, you see those initials, PP? That means precious promise. And you see those initials, TP? That means tried and proven. Tried and proven. God has come through for me in this area with this promise in my life in a very real way. I tell you, friend, the Bible is relevant. And the Bible is reliable. But number three, the Bible is revealing. It's revealing. You say, well, pastor, what does the Bible reveal? Well, this book gives us direction. In Psalm 119, verse 24, the psalmist wrote, your testimonies also are my delight. You know what he's saying? Your word, O oh God, is my delight. Hey, in this room this morning, the church of the living God, can you say, honestly say, in the presence of the spirit of the living God, can you honestly say that the word of God is your delight? Do you delight in the word of God? The psalmist said, your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. You, you, do you need counseling? I can tell you the best counseling you will ever get is when you read and study the Bible and the best counselor you will ever have in your life is the Holy Spirit of God and, and uh, a, 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 a sub counselor is a, a pastor or a believer who takes the word of God and counsels you with the word of God. I tell you, friend, there's great power in that. The Bible says, they are my counselors. Verse Psalm 119, verse 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Psalm 119, verse 130, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. I, I tell you, I'm, I'm rather simple. I need God to be real clear with me. And I tell you what, when I pick up this book and I read this book and I study this book, I tell you, God reveals things to me about direction in my life that I desperately need. Do you need direction today? Listen, we are surrounded by spiritual darkness and utter confusion in our world. The path of life is a treacherous one with many pitfalls. We need direction from God so we can make good decisions. And God offers us the help we need in his word. So this book gives us direction. And this book gives us hope. Oh my goodness, does it give us hope. In Psalm 119, verse 113 to 16, the Bible says, I hate those who are double-minded, but I love your law. I, listen, there is no telling how many times that the psalmist who wrote Psalm 119 said he loves the Word of God or he delights in the Word of God. I hope and pray you do. Psalm, 
Psalm 119, verse 114, you are my hiding place and my shield. I wait for your word. Depart from me, evildoers, that I may observe the commandments of my God. Sustain me according to your word that I may live. Now look at this. And do not let me be ashamed of my hope. A failure to read and study the Bible is detrimental to say the least. Listen, the Bible influences how you determine right from wrong, how you make decisions, how you discern God's will for your life, how your value system is shaped, how you handle your finances, how you build a solid marriage, how you, how you parent your kids. How to be, it reveals how to, to be a masculine man and how to be a feminine woman. The Bible answers the basic questions of life. Who am I? Where am I from? Why am I here? And where am I going? This book is a crucial component to every believer's faith journey. D.L. Moody said this, he said, the Bible was not given for our information. It was given for our transformation. So here's a challenge I want to drop in your heart at the end of this message today. Love the Word of God. Love the Word of God. Love the Word of God like the psalmist loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God the way Paul loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God the way Moses loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God the way Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God the way the Lord Jesus loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God the way John loved the Word of God. Love the Word of God. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 119, verse 47, I shall delight in your commandments which I love. In Psalm 119, 103, the psalmist wrote, How sweet are your words to my taste, yes, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Psalm 119, verse 127, Therefore I love your commandments above gold, yes, above fine gold. Do you love the Word of God? Now, I believe there are a lot of Christians. If we, if we did a survey, and I ask everybody in this room and everybody watching live stream, do you love the Bible? Do you love this book? I would bet you the overwhelming majority would say, yes, I love this book. I love the Bible. But sometimes our walk does not match our talk. If I would turn around and ask you this question, how much time did you spend reading and studying the Bible in the last seven days? Hmm. What would you say? What could you write down on that survey? I can tell you this. If you really love the Word of God, if you're really devoted to the Word of God, if you're really seeking God with all of your heart, if you really want a revival to, to just flood your heart and your soul and take you to another level spiritually, you have got to love the Word of God. And, and let me tell you, let me tell you how it's tangible in your life. 
If you really love the Word of God, three things are going to be evident. Number one, you're going to read the Word. You're going to read the Word. Hey, look, I'm not perfect, and I'm not saying I bat a thousand. But I can tell you this, I absolutely love to get up early in the morning and go to my chair and drink a cup of coffee and dive into the Word of God. I absolutely love it. And you know what I've discovered? I've discovered that the more I do it, the more I see. And the more I do it, the more the Holy Spirit takes the Word of God and really helps me to pray the way God wants me to pray. I I don't read the Word and just stop and then pray. I read the Word of God, and when I see something, I stop and pray. And then I'll go back and I'll continue reading. I'm reading through the Bible this year with the Chronological Study Bible. And I tell you, I'll, I'll read, I'll stop, pray, I'll read, I'll stop, pray, And it's just a dialogue going on. God speaks to me through the word, and I speak to God in my prayer life. Now, I wish I could tell you I never miss a single day. But I would not be telling the truth. But I can tell you this. I am very consistent in reading the Bible. And when I miss a time, I want to go back and make it up and catch up. So read the Word of God. If you're really serious, when you say you love the Word of God, you've got to read the Word. Psalm 119, verse 97, oh, how I love your Word. It is my meditation all the day. The psalmist said, I meditate on the Word all the day. Here's what will happen. God will give you something in the Word of God in the morning if you read your Bible. And and throughout the day, God will remind you, the Spirit of God will remind you of what he showed you and show you how he wants to use that in your life throughout the day. And you think on it and you meditate on it. And it's like a cow chewing could. Okay? That's exactly the picture here. So read the Word. Now, if you really love the Word of God, not only will you read the Word, but you will believe the Word. Believe the Word. In Psalm 119, verse 41 and 42, the psalmist wrote, May your loving kindness also come to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your Word, so I will have an answer for him who reproaches me. Now, look at this. Look at these last six words here in verse 42. For I trust in your word. I'm telling you something, folks. I don't need artificial intelligence to confirm anything to me about the Word of God. I don't need some liberal theologian to confirm for me anything about the Word of God. The Spirit of God has confirmed in my heart that the Word of God is absolutely true. I believe the Word of God. And I tell you, when you have that in place in your life, it'll make a huge difference. I settled this a long time ago. I've been seriously reading and studying the Bible since I was 20 years old. And I absolutely love it. Now, you can do the same thing. You say, well, I'm not a pastor. Guess what? I wasn't a pastor when I was 20 years old. 
I didn't become a pastor until I was 30 years old. And I loved the Word of God when I was coaching and teaching. And I read the Word of God when I was coaching and teaching. And I believed the Word of God when I was coaching and teaching. And I shared the Word of God with my players when I was coaching and teaching. It's real to me, folks. And it needs to be real to every single believer. Believe the Word. And finally, if, if, listen, if you, really, if you really love the Word, You'll read the word, you'll believe the word, and here, here's the kicker. You ready? Here's the kicker. You will obey the word. You'll do what the word of God teaches you to do. The psalmist wrote in verse 2, how blessed are those who observe his testimonies, who seek him with all their heart. Your testimonies, verse 129, says your testimonies are wonderful. Therefore, my soul observes them. This book contains the greatest story that has ever been told about the greatest person who's ever walked on the face of this planet, and his name was Jesus and it contains the greatest offer that has ever been made, the, the offer of forgiveness and eternal life through Christ alone. We sang about that earlier. In the pages of this book, God has revealed that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins because he had no sins. This book reveals that God raised him from the dead to provide spiritual life to all who will repent of their sin and place their faith in him alone. Here's the question. Will you not only read the word and believe the word, but will you obey the word? Will you obey the word by receiving Jesus as your Savior and Lord this morning? Take your Bible real quickly. I think I got time. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. The Bible talks about the second coming of Christ and the judgment of God upon an unbelieving world. It says... When the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven, verse 7, with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those, look at this, who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Listen, to, I mean, I'll make something very clear to you. When God gave the human race the gospel, he didn't give the human race the gospel for them to vote on whether they approve it or not. He gave the human race the gospel for them to obey, for them to repent of their sin and to place their faith in Jesus as their only Savior and Lord. 
Will you obey the gospel this morning? Marguerite Higgins was a a war correspondent during the Korean War. She received a Pulitzer Prize back when Pulitzer Prize meant something for international reporting. She went to a a place in Korea where a group of Marines were, were at a rest station. It was, let me make sure I get, it was 42 degrees below zero. She saw a Marine with a scraggly beard, mud caked that beard. It's like his, his clothes were frozen on him. And he took a, he had a can of cold beans. He was eating those beans with a trench knife. And here's what she said to him. If I were God and could grant you anything you wished, what would you most like? He thought for a moment. He raised his head and he looked in her eyes. Give me tomorrow. Let me tell you, friend, Jesus can give you tomorrow. Jesus can give you eternity. Jesus can give you heaven. Nobody or nothing else can do that for you. And I want to invite you to receive Jesus as your Savior and Lord today. Obey the gospel. I'm going to ask our worship team to come, our staff to come. And we're going to have a time when you respond to what you've heard today, to the Word of God, to the Gospel. Now, if you're in this room and and you say, Pastor, I need to be saved. I've never been saved. I need to obey the Gospel today. Well, please come to one of our staff members and just tell them that you want to be saved today. We'll help you with that decision. You may want to come to the altar today. Maybe you have a a a, a son or a daughter or a parent or a friend or a cousin or a co-worker and and you 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 really care about them and they're lost maybe you want to come to the altar and lift their names before the throne of God's grace and pray that they would obey the gospel that they would believe in Jesus and be saved well I encourage you to do that Listen, if you're a believer here today, maybe you feel that the Spirit of God is compelling you to come to this altar and to commit to three things, to reading the Word, believing the Word, obeying the Word. Maybe today is the beginning of a new part of your Christian life where the Spirit of God just energizes you with revival through the Word of God. May you come to this altar. Make that commitment. Say, Lord, I want to read your Word like I've never read it before. Lord, help me to read the Word, to believe the Word, and to obey the Word. Oh, I encourage you to come. Listen, I found a a beautiful poem. I want to close with that. The Precious Bible is entitled Though the cover is worn and the pages are torn, 
Though the places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is the book worn and old that can shatter and scatter my fears. When I prayerfully look in the precious book, many pleasures and treasures I see. Many tokens of love from the Father above who is nearest and dearest to me. This old book, this old book is my guide. Tis a friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten my way. And each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it and heed it today. Love the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with the Word of God. I thank you that it's reliable. I thank you that it's relevant. And I thank you, Heavenly Father, so much that it is revealing. Oh, God in heaven, move in our midst today. Move in our hearts. Help us to do exactly what you want us to do. In Jesus' name.